0: Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that much like the lockdown, is still having to continue almost entirely due to the failures of the British government. I'm Tien and Du and as the spokesperson for the Prime Minister and melancholy yam, Boris Johnson, says that the coronavirus could spread exponentially again if they move too quickly, it's great to see that they're being inventive with how to justify the PM sitting on his ass since January. There are lots of things that you might miss from the before times, you know, just a few weeks ago. Maybe you long to see somewhere outside of the 100 metre radius from where you live. Bin day or that time a bag blew down the street in the wind being the only way that you know time has definitely, definitely passed. Maybe you miss going to the supermarket without shouting, but why would some arsehole buy all of the fucking eggs as another shopper ignores all social distancing measures to shove you out of the way claiming the last six free range while they cough loudly all over them. Or maybe, like me, you're just yearning for a time when the news told you something that you didn't already know. Hearing, thanks to an expose in the Times, that Britain's current Covid situation is largely in part down to the Prime Minister not bothering to turn up to any Cobra meetings about it for the last few months, I mean, that's kind of what we expected, isn't it? I mean, we wouldn't have been surprised if it had turned out that Johnson had himself rubbed a pangolin on his nutsack as part of a hilarious and yet also culturally insensitive party trick during a diplomatic mission to Wuhan, somehow inadvertently causing the combination of scaled mammal and ball germs to mutate together into coronavirus, which he then spread by continuing to try and hunt various different things around the globe. We wouldn't have been surprised if that had been the case, so knowing that the very least Johnson could have done was turn up to briefing meetings on the seriousness of the virus back in January, but then he didn't bother, that's very much on brand for him. While Johnson's made it very clear time and time again that his hero is Winston Churchill, it should really be Francesco Schettino, the captain of the Costa Concordia cruise ship, who just abandoned everyone on board when it capsized for his own safety over theirs. The only difference being that Johnson wouldn't have turned up to steer the ship in the first place, and instead the drowning passengers would have congealed protein shake Dominic Rubb, telling them not to worry as Captain Johnson was in good spirits as he sunned his bum on a desert island miles away. Our Prime Minister has a very long case history of tackling danger by running away from it and hoping it just gives up and disappears. All the way from when he was on holiday during the London riots and refused to come back to hiding in a fridge from reporters during the election campaign to being nowhere to be seen when floods happened and now in the midst of a virus barely being around as he recovers from his own coronavirus symptoms with his fiancé in a massive country mansion at the taxpayer's expense is his plan to just stop turning up to things altogether until everyone forgets what he or his role are all about, and he peters out of public knowledge like an 80s power ballad but with no nostalgic value whatsoever. And then he'd just skip away, blame free, as all anyone can vaguely recall is that the government is just meant to consist of several barely lifeforms flailing their arms around and managing to do nothing. Apparently, the Prime Minister isn't expected to always turn up to Cobra meetings, but I wonder if that's whoever is in that role, or just a rule that they made up for Johnson after having worked with him for a few weeks. Chancellor of the Duchy, Michael Gove, said that suggesting Johnson skipped important meetings is grotesque, which is quite an accusation from a man whose very own face was only created in an attempt to ward off spirits. Gove said that considering what happened to the Prime Minister not long ago, nobody can say that he wasn't throwing his heart and soul into fighting the virus, Though, as it mainly targets the lungs, this just proves that once again Boris has failed to listen to scientific advice. Saying the man in charge is giving his heart and soul, the former of which no one would assume is in top condition and the latter isn't real, is also very much on brand for this government, as it will be noted in the annals of history that the only real tangible thing they did during this crisis was presenting the most complete range of hollow gestures in the shortest time. Health Secretary and walking apology Matt Hancock announced a brand new NHS badge last week with CARE written on it in big green letters, as if to remind him and the rest of the Cabinet Office of what they need to pretend to do on occasion. And of course, that's exactly what care workers need, that badge, so they can use the pin to hold together all the bin bags that they have to use as personal protective equipment while extra supplies keep failing to appear. With over 80 healthcare staff dying from the coronavirus so far, and the one thing all of them are asking for being PPE, it is odd that Hancock has decided actually what they really need is something they might stab themselves with by accident while putting it on, exposing them to even more germs. Why do care workers need the word care written on them anyway? Is it just so the health secretary can pretend to have the vaguest idea of what it is that they do? Or so that they can identify their bodies as NHS staff, enabling the government to give accurate figures of lives lost for the first time during the crisis? With PPE deliveries delayed yet again, the official advice is now that NHS frontline workers need to reuse gowns and masks because Westminster are only keen on enforcing recycling when it's for excuses for their ineptitude or life-saving equipment. But at least there are badges to remind staff as they done something meant to contain litter and a pair of swimming goggles that care. Not to care or to take care or care about the staff who are giving up their lives for a shitty salary and false platitudes from those in charge. No, just care as an aggressive one-word statement like a psychopath might repeat themselves in the mirror to maybe force empathy into themselves but you see all these healthcare workers are heroes and heroes need badges and medals and plastic trophies and as they say not all heroes wear capes usually because there's a lack of supply and they've got a bin bag on instead Heroes don't need a pay rise because they do it out of care in big letters and they die during a war and at some point there'll be a big statue with no names written on it and everyone will stand in front of it and say all these heroes were really great for doing the jobs that they were trained to do in a public service that should have supported them back. And then the Prime Minister will lay a wreath upside down on it and cut spending on the health service at the next budget because it can now be funded entirely by elderly people doing laps in their gardens and all tax payments will now go to the Prime Minister's year round holiday expenses. Meanwhile, Matt Hancock will hear the continued pleas of nurses and doctors and announce that he has definitely listened to their demands and understands and so will be spending £17 billion on a contract with Clinton's cards to get them all soft toy rabbits dressed as doctors with I heart hopsittles written on them. Of course, none of how the government are handling this really matters, as what's most important, the press keep insisting, and what we must know right now is just when will this lockdown end? What is the exit strategy? When can we go outside and remember how much we hate being near people again? Why won't you just let us do what we like instead of trying to stop people dying? The media has become the irritated child asking are we there yet every two minutes, with absolutely no understanding of why you need the journey in order to get somewhere. The lockdown is now going to last until at least May the 7th, allowing May the 8th to still be the 100th anniversary of VE Day when we can all get together to remember how people pointlessly died a century ago as well. The Education Secretary Gavin Williamson, a man who looks like someone playing a member of the royal family in a student film, said that schools will only be returning once the government passed five tests, though alternatively he could just get his last teacher to decide what they'd have got and say that that's final. While Williamson couldn't give a date that schools might start again on, some disadvantaged secondary school pupils currently in year 10 will get laptops so they can do online lessons and prep for next year's GCSEs. Though if they were really smart, they'd just use them to Google most crowded areas, go there, cough a lot and then chances are exams won't happen again till 2022 anyway. Online lessons will be presented by teachers with worksheets and a quiz so that kids can quickly learn how to paste a picture up of them looking like they're paying attention while going on Twitter to troll people so they'll be nicely prepared for self-employment in the jobless future we're all clearly heading to. House minister and your friend's old school friend no one knows who ruined the stag do with boring anecdotes and then drinking till he passed out, Robert Jenrick, has promised councils an extra £1.6 billion in funding for social care services, which councils have said isn't remotely enough to cover all the support they're giving after 10 years of vicious cuts. Jenrick's pledge isn't so much a life ring, but more a way to stem the bleeding so local services die more slowly. Estimates are most councils having to spend £30 million a week during this crisis, but if Jenrick promised to cover that, then there wouldn't be any expenses left for all his various homes. Meanwhile, the Chancellor and Stickman from the children's book Stickman, Rishi Sunak, said that these are tough times, as the economy is now predicted to shrink by 35%. He said it was important that the government were honest with people about what may be happening, though if they were, they'd have to admit that so far they haven't been honest with people about what may be happening, so that's a tricky situation to be in. Sunak said he doesn't think it's right for the government to move to a 100% guarantee for emergency business loans. As you know, that would 100% mean they'd have to pay them to businesses to keep them afloat. Whereas this way, they can continue to do what they're best at, a hollow gesture that allows them to say they did something while letting loads of people run out of money. They wouldn't throw water on a house fire as that would be a waste, but they'd happily spit at a bit of it to show you they've tried their best and not just let you burn and die. Minimum effort made and I can only hope in the future that it's reciprocated by the public making some badges to show their support that say VOTE in huge letters but then not turning up to the polling stations to let the Conservatives in again because that would be excessive. Former Prime Minister and main boss character in a 90s film where someone's new job is in hell but disguised as an office, Tony Blair, says that the government would probably slow in dealing with the virus as he'd likely have bombed it by now without waiting for any evidence. Current Labour leader and skiffle board Keir Starmer has had a call with Dominic Raab and senior government officials where he raised concerns about a lack of PPE and asked what the exit plan was. Because it seems his main political strategy right now is asking questions that journalists and the general public already asked weeks ago while providing a real challenge to the Prime Minister by being as absent as he is. Disgraced MP Liam the Disgraced Fox popped his concertina head into the news to say that the level of debate needs to be improved, like someone who spent years taking shits in your front garden complaining that you should do some work to make it look nicer. Fox said that information should be given about the types of PPE that are missing and questions should be asked of the NHS, because, you know, if anyone's to blame, it's clearly all those doctors and nurses carelessly using this equipment when they could be leaving it in boxes for proper doctors like Liam to use to protect himself from his own toxic admissions. Parliament returns this week, but with limited capacity and MPs being told to space themselves out, though there's no word on if Michael Gove will help them do that with his own personal supply. Various efforts are being put in place to make sure MPs can work remotely, though many would argue that's what they've been doing for years anyway. Hundreds of workers are being flown in from Romania to pick fruit and veg in the UK after British workers largely rejected the job offers. Seems that's not the sort of cherry-picking most are keen to do. And lastly, business magnate and face-like radiation bird genitalia Richard Branson has pleaded with the government to bail out his Virgin Atlantic Airlines and save it from collapse. Branson, who's the seventh richest person in the world with a wealth of £4.7 billion, doesn't pay any tax in the UK and sued the NHS via Virgin Healthcare for private contracts lost, and he's now asking for £500 million from the British government. He should really change his company name to something other than Virgin, considering how many times he's absolutely fucked Britain with it. Yo, 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 yo! How goes you? I mean, that's the wrong way to say hello in these times, isn't it? He probably goes nowhere, uh, as you can't. Yeah, really. I goes absolutely nowhere and I am so bored of my local area oh my god I'm so bored of my street and the local park and the little circuit that we walk around every single day Um, even though everyone in my area seems to think lockdown isn't happening anymore they're all just sort of standing around on the pavement having chats not really distancing from everyone walking right up in your face either either I've missed something and everyone's had the virus and they now all feel a sense of invulnerability that may be misplaced or maybe they've all watched the news too much and they now just think ah humanity deserves it so they just don't care Oh, it's a really strange mix of giving a shit about all this where I am. I mean, on clap for the NHS nights every Thursday, uh, everyone is letting off fireworks, um, unaware that one accident they'll be putting unnecessary pressure on A&E departments, which is the last thing they need, but then they also all dawdle about outside, don't keep two metres apart and all vote Tory. But then, I yes, I suppose that does... I said it doesn't make sense. It does make sense, doesn't it? You know, well, I've clapped and burned off my own face with a dodgy Catherine reel, so I care about the NHS, but I just don't want anyone else to get to use it and maybe... Make up. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, but I'm an expert at people dodging anyway, so it doesn't matter. I've been pretty good on my essential trips to the supermarket where I walk all the way there to go, oh, the queue is miles long, and then I don't go in and I walk all the way home again. Uh, It is funny uh, how many comedians I've seen are sort of very sad that the Edinburgh Fringe isn't happening this year, but I'm finding life very like it, Uh, really. I'm seeing the same few rooms every single day. I'm barely going out in order to avoid people, Uh, and I'm getting disillusioned by only entertaining a very small amount of people every day, or at least trying. Uh, my wife and daughter are very fed up with it as well. Still, uh, we kept ourselves pretty entertained the other day as I let them cut my hair, and I now have a full on lockdown haircut. Or, as I call it, reclaiming Nazi hair from the alt white. Uh, it's sort of all short on the sides and back, and then hair on the top because I got scared of the lack of care that scissors were waved around with. Should have gotten a care badge, that would have helped. Um, Anyway, I'm now sort of hoping that lockdown continues for at least another four to six weeks or however long it's going to take to grow back. Sacrifices have to be made for important Anyway, uh, rambly, 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 here we are, this is here yet again. Thank you for still tuning in. And I hope last week's not proper podcast was okay. Um, Thank you for your lovely messages and emails over the past few weeks. And a special shout out to Alistair for the excellent guest recommendings, which I am working on sorting out. Um, On that, on that, I still need uh, ideas because like this week, for example... And I should say, I like this week got a great interview on it, but I had a brilliant plan where I was going to basically talk to some frontline pathology workers, um, and they were lined up to chat to me about the pressures they're dealing with right now uh, working in NHS mortuaries. And then uh, I was going to chat to my pal Pauline, who you'll hear later in this episode. As she was going to talk to me about issues for new parents. And uh, Me and my galaxy brain was like, yeah, it'll be the effect of the pandemic from birth to death in a sort of happy sad combination um, and uh, then obviously yeah, the frontline workers were swapped with work and it hasn't happened um, which I entirely understand and would by no means prioritise them chatting with me uh, over doing their much much needed work um, and as a result you just get the babies chat so if you haven't got a baby it might not be as relevant for you I haven't got one come in or you've never seen one if you don't know what babies are um, you know, if you never were one uh, it might not be as relevant but still it's a very good chat with Paulie. It's a lot cheerier than what the other one would have been, so it's probably for the best, and hopefully I'll get to speak to him later this week, maybe next week. Um, I'm contacting other people and places to speak to all the time, but as you can imagine, that weird thing where everyone keeps saying, oh, we've got nothing to do, but loads of people have quite a lot to do, uh, and all the uh, people that might be good to talk to are very, very busy indeed. So, any suggestions of people to talk to, things to cover, please, uh, please do that and send them to all the usual places. Um, thank you also this week to Somebody Baldy, Kate, Monkey Spangles, DJ Ham Sauce, Helen and Claire for your so very appreciated Kofi donations which I can't thank you enough for at these silly times where uh, our landlords are still demanding full rent because they seem nice like that. They are obviously lovely people. Uh, They're not really working. They're only going to do essential maintenance uh, otherwise they're not really in. um, But, uh, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, um, If you do enjoy the show and you can join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash parpolbro or chuck me a few quid at ko-fi.com k-fi.com forward slash parpolbro. It is very appreciated and I promise I'll use it on something nice like not being homeless or alternatively some sort of Zorb Ball to go to the shops in. Um, I think thinking about doing that and I reckon I can live in Azor as well so it might be no other admin chat this week because nothing's happening but if you are homeschooling um, your kids and you've had to return them to school but not school after Easter holidays and you would like to make it more fun uh, then we have tons of free worksheets on how to do stand-up comedy on the Comedy Club for Kids website at comedyclub4kids.co.uk which incorporates language stuff uh, storytelling and building confident performances all sorts of things like that it all fits with the curriculum we've done it all properly Um, I also did some online YouTube videos for the Pauline academy yes that is a thing yes that's what she's doing now um on how kids can write their own short stand-up set and each video has tasks for them to do in it um and that's all up on youtube i filmed it in my flat in week one of lockdown it was all done with a very very precariously balanced phone and my wife doing excellent script replacing throughout um but i'll pop the links to those on the podcast if they're of any help whatsoever this week's show uh, is a chat, as I mentioned before, with antenatal teacher, comedian and pal of mine, the brilliant Pauline Eyre, about the crisis new parents are having right now and the dangers of heroising health workers. Plus, uh, I dispel some coronavirus myths, even though one of them I basically said was true several weeks ago, because I'm less consistent than your sourdough starter kit. I don't even know, is sourdough starter meant to be consistent? I, have, I obviously haven't got a clue. I keep reading that people are doing them, but I have no idea... What that means, and are they just starters? Don't they ever finish? Are you just sort of starting forever? Where does it end? Oh, it's all so confusing. The problem with babies uh, is that they have no concept of appropriate timing. I mean, you'd think that given the current state of crisis the UK is in and how busy hospitals are, the unanimously all soon-to-be-born babies would have a meeting, I'm not sure how, but maybe the umbilical cord works like a landline, and just say, hey, we won't come out for a few more months till this all blows over. Obviously, that wouldn't be fun for mums, but social distancing would be pretty easy when you've essentially been weighed down from the inside. Of course, uh, none of that can happen and babies do just get born. Uh, Women in pregnancy do need medical attention and support and all of those things that usually outside of a pandemic are available, sometimes. But much like everything, if you have sprogs on their way, things are considerably harder right now with limited hospital space, limited staff, health and safety precautions. Support services and prenatal classes can't happen how they used to, and while there were moments when my wife was giving birth where I'd have selfishly been happy to stand outside rather than be in the room, it's not ideal when that's what's forced on you. Not only that, but being a new parent is a pretty lonely time anyway, so what happens when people can't come and visit? Although, again, for me that would have been quite handy a couple of times, and yes, that is why we haven't been in touch with you since, if you're listening, so... Anyway... Thing is, babies get a baby. So just what is in place to help them baby well during COVID season? This week I'm speaking to comedian Pal and for the context of this interview, antenatal teacher Pauline Eyre, who very kindly answered a call out where I asked just what areas I need to interview people about during these times, while also doing the heroic duty of delivering us some flour as she had some spare, which is amazing. Basically, she's a lovely person and total legend. But on top of flour delivery and all the many other jobs that she does, as you'll hear about, or at least did pre-pandemic, Pauline volunteers for the NCT, the National Childbirth Trust. She told me all about how things now work for new parents, just where they can find support, but also why charities are in dire times and why heroising health workers really isn't all that helpful. There's also a bit of chat about the now online comedy world too. I didn't ask her about the possibility of asking babies just to stay in for a bit longer because I didn't really think of it till after, but I'm certain there is something there. I really should work on it. Anyway, we had a lovely chat, so hopefully, if this affects you or someone you know, it might be helpful. And if you don't know any babies or haven't ever heard of babies or weren't ever a baby, then just enjoy it for actually having some cheery bits to an interview for once. I mean, after some less cheery ones. Anyway, hope you enjoy. Here is Paulie. Hi Pauline, Um, so I know you do billions of things, I know you're a comedian uh, and I didn't know you're a voiceover artist until uh, just before we started recording but I do now Uh, and lots of other things but you also uh, work for a charity and I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about that one of your many jobs um, and why you can't do that at the moment.
1: Uh, yeah. Hello. Morning. Um, so I, I'm, um, I don't work for a charity. I'm freelance, but I'm an antenatal teacher for the NCT. So uh, National Childbirth Trust, we're, um, uh, it's, it, is the, it is a charity that supports parents in the first thousand days of a baby's life. So pregnancy and the first three years or so of life. Um, and it's very much uh, it's, it's we're a national charity, um, but a very small one. So a little charity with a big reach, which means that um, uh, this has hit the charity very hard. Um, As an antenatal teacher, though, um, our courses were immediately taken online. So we had a a group of staff who worked really hard um, and got in ahead of the curve and uh, set everything up for us to teach on Zoom and WhatsApp. So we are actually still teaching courses up and down the country. Um, We're just not doing them in person, but we're doing them online, which is amazing um and and it's going really well actually it's it's so important to um for parents to get together and while it's not ideal and perfect and in person it's so important because they're setting up these friendships that are going to be so important for them um over the next years to come so yeah that's what i'm doing
0: and I mean I'm guessing stuff for a new parent right now must be really hard. I mean I, I remember uh you know, our daughter was only two. I remember two years ago when she was about to be born, just how stressful that was when there wasn't the worry that you could go into the hospital and then contract something else entirely. Um how, how difficult has this made things for new parents?
1: Um, massively so massively so the um, I, it's mostly in just the amount of stress and worry and I, I can see the same everywhere on my timelines of people going, but what's going to happen what's going to happen? when is this going to be over when are we and a lot of people are focusing on on the future in a way that that we can't right now and for a new parent, they're so focused on the future and it's so healthy for them to be focused on the future, but they can't be in the same way. So um, in practical terms, it means that um, women going into a medical setting for an antenatal appointment can't take their partners with them. Um, So partners are inevitably waiting outside, which is you would think not a very big deal, but, you know, very occasionally people get bad news at those appointments and, partners are waiting outside and and can't be with. So that's um, something that's uh, very worrying. Um, In terms of birth itself, excuse me, in terms of birth itself, um, women are limited now to one birth partner instead of two um, for a straightforward birth. And the time that birth partners are allowed to be with them at the hospital or birth center is now limited. Um, It's different in different trusts, but certainly uh, locally to where I am, Partners are allowed in uh, once labour is established, so not early on, um, and for up to an hour or two hours after birth. Um, that's not always the case. You know, I had a partner that was lucky enough to be able to stay for a long time after birth early this week. But parents don't know that in advance if they're going to be lucky or not lucky. Um, women are being prevented from using birth pools um, because of a fear of uh, contamination. um. Even if the women aren't aren't uh, symptomatic, but obviously that's to protect midwives, and that makes a big difference for people. And then there are things like um, there's the socialisation aspect of this. So I really fear for the mental health of of pregnant people and new parents because they're just you know they're they're being isolated with their babies um, which is worrying both before and after birth actually and I'm noticing parents who are either unable to work or they're furloughed on less money and they're fearful not only of birth but of the future and work and being able to work from home if they're able to and all of the stress that this puts on new parents which and when it puts stress on a mother on a, a pregnant mother it puts stress on her baby as well. So I think in the very long term, there's an awful lot to be fearful of about this. There are lots of positives, too, of course, which we are um, are flagging up to parents a lot. Um, And some extraordinary positives actually have come out of it. Um, Like, for example, um, it seems that fewer babies, when they're weighed on the fifth day of life, have lost weight since birth. And And I'd love to see a fascinating study of that in the future, because with no visitors, um, no parents, grandparents etc. coming in and visiting the baby, nothing is interfering with the new bond between parents and babies and parents are bedding in with their babies and just feeding and, and getting on with it and um, that seems to be making a difference in that way. So,
0: that's amazing. Isn't that
1: extraordinary? Um, obviously, it's too. It's, it's very much too early to know if that's going to be a pattern across the board but I've heard lots of stories of that um, and midwives noticing that which is exciting. Um, Lots of other things as well. I mean, I've I've been encouraging some of my uh, pregnant mums to talk to their mothers and their grandmothers, if they have them, about what it was like to birth without a partner there. Because if your partner um, is symptomatic, then they just can't come to the birth with you. And some people will have somebody else that they can call, like a doula who's an unpaid, birth, uh, sorry, an unpaid. Um, do. Sorry. Some people have the can can bring a doula with them who's um, uh, a professional birth partner or they might have a friend or a parent or family member. But some people won't. um, And there will be times when people are birthing um, without their partners there. Um, and, And their grandmothers will have done that, which is lovely. And they can talk on the phone. Yeah. skype or whatever uh, so yeah so there the, are the a few lovely things as well you know a lot a lot fewer people at hospitals um the parking's all free all of a sudden uh, which is wonderful <laughs> um uh, birth partners waiting outside is extraordinary um the idea that if a woman is induced for example if her, if her labor is induced she has to stay in the hospital until labor gets going and her partner's just waiting outside because they don't know how long that'll be you can sort of imagine you know the, the hospital car park with with all these partners waiting outside with their snacks and all the rest of it, where do they pee?
0: And they've all got to stand two meters away from each other while they do it as well. So <laughs> yeah,
1: with with well, you know plastic bottles of urine thrown around the car park. Oh, <laughs> it's extraordinary. Um, yeah, so all sorts of things that people might not have thought of. That um, it's not just the not just that you may or may not have a birth partner there; you can't use a pool there's so much more to it as well. People being discharged very quickly after birth um, and after only a night after a cesarean birth as well, getting home to um, really be cared for by one person and nobody else around. It's just different.
0: That's really tough. That's really tough. And I I mean, like one of the things you highlighted, I I sort of remember, you know, when we got a newborn baby, that is very lonely and that, you know, there's there's hours of the night where it's just you and your partner or whichever one's allowed to sleep and the baby and <laughs> you go a bit crazy as it is and then if i think right now when you're not able to see anyone else um that's that's got to be so hard i think that's going to be really tough for
1: people. Yeah. It's extraordinary, but the NCT WhatsApp groups are are, have always been a bit of a lifesaver in that. So when you're up at two o'clock in the morning, feeding your baby, feeling lonely, you can reach out to that WhatsApp group, and somebody else is likely to be awake doing the same thing at the same time. I remember fifteen years ago when I had twins, sitting on on a forum on a website with other twin parents just. Yeah, just just knowing there was somebody else awake was so helpful.
0: Yeah, so very helpful, so very helpful. Are you concerned about the effect of this crisis um, on support networks and charities like NCT um, in the kind of long term? Because, you know, there's not just having to kind of shut down or change how you do things now. I'm guessing there's a worry about how things may be when everything restarts again in terms of funding and, and other things like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrifying. So I know that with the NCT, um, the NCT doesn't benefit particularly from fundraising. Um, the income from the NCT comes from selling the courses. So So the NCT runs antenatal, postnatal and other courses for new parents. And that's the income. And the income from that is used... To run the organisation, obviously, and pay, <clears throat> pay the pay and train the teachers. But it's also used for NCT to be a lobbying voice, to be the voice of parents. To be, you know, when there's something about childbirth in the news, the NCT is there. Um, they just had the most wonderful campaign um, called Hidden Half. That that, um, oh gosh, it's probably only six or eight weeks ago, uh, got passed through Parliament. That that all all postnatal mothers will be offered a six-week check, not just physically, but also for their mental health. Um, So all of the campaigning work and the research work that the NCT does at the moment is just not happening. Um, I don't know if the organisation will survive. So many charities are saying that they won't survive beyond... I think I heard St. John Ambulance won't survive beyond August. Um, And it drives me a little bit nuts that you know, lovely old man raising money by walking up and down for the NHS, but 12 million, 13 million, whatever it is by now, um, pounds being raised for the NHS when actually the NHS should be funded and charities are not supposed to be funded, you know, in the same way. <clears throat> and imagine how much good that kind of work could do for a refugee charity or, you know, um, the NCT or yeah, domestic violence charity because that's a massive issue at the moment, so um, that's a worry. So I don't know if our charity will survive um, and therefore we will lose not just the, the local support of parents but also the national voice of parents. Of course people like me who do this for our living will still set up what we do and, and, and use that, you know, give that support where possible but without the organisation behind us that would be really horrible. Um, I don't know as well if you're aware that, you know, when people are furloughed from their jobs, they can't work for that company even in a voluntary capacity. So all of the furloughed staff from the NCT, I think it was 65 staff were furloughed. They can't even, they can't do that work even in an voluntary way. So they can't be the voice of parents. They can't, you know, go on the BBC talking about um, how this is affecting parents, et cetera, um, those who are furloughed. So, so much important work is lost. Not that people should have to do it, um, without being paid, but it just means that those parts of the charity can't happen. Um, I think that, and I was listening to your podcast um, from the other day um, when the woman was talking about charity locally and how important that was. And of course, that's right. I found that fascinating. She, it, the stuff that she was talking about on a, on a local level. The NCT has always run like that. We uh, you know, run in local branches of parents who support each other. And that sort of thing, I think, will continue. And I think that's a really um, one, one of the lovely things about this time is how much communities are, are valuing each other and relishing working for each other and together. And that's great. Um, and that doesn't have to cost money. Um, but a national voice of it that is evidence-based research, you know, based on evidence-based research, etc., um, is so important. Um, I don't know if I made that point very clearly in terms of research, but you know, when you have a, a national organisation that can be can be checking out the evidence on things and giving appropriate advice and information, when that is lost, then that's how, of course, things like fake news spread and rumor spreads and yeah, I think the losses will be beyond our knowledge right now um, in the losses in the charity sector.
0: Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.
1: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
0: And we'll be back with Pauline in a minute, but first. Lockdown is a great time for creativity. I keep hearing from people who don't have children. But they aren't wrong, as being stuck at home means that once you've seen everything on every streaming channel available, and digested all of the internet, and told yourself for the 600th time that you'll sort that cupboard out again, but can't really be bothered, then you might find yourself in time to do something that uses the imagination. And while some opt for art or writing, it seems quite a lot of people have decided the best place for their creativity right now is making up complete bullshit about the coronavirus. No, that wasn't what everyone meant. Pick up some crayons and stop causing trouble, you rapscallions. Anyway, there's a lot of nonsense out there, and I thought rather than let you stew over whether the coronavirus was caused by an angry bat-pangolian radioactive mutant hybrid using 5G, or if a group of darsing nurses are hoarding all the PPE for their eventual Britain's Got Talent audition finale, then it might be best to dispel a few fakeries. It's Truth on time, embrace the blast, and as you're recovering, use your fanciful mind to paint something nice. Labour activists within the NHS are stirring up trouble and actually there's enough PPE for you to wear it casually to parties as a sexy ICU nurse. Uh, No, there isn't. And it's not just the one nurse who happens to support labour, I mean, I wonder why when he works in the health service, (laughs) baffling, but also many NHS workers and bosses who've highlighted this. Some areas have enough PPE in their hospitals, but not all, with London and Yorkshire being two places that definitely don't, as well as many, many care homes. PPE uh, usually means gowns, masks and gloves, though due to the way coronavirus spreads, the most at-risk workers are being told to wear face shielding visors too, you know, like riot police, but saving lives instead of ending them, because hey, peaceful protest means nothing when you get to have a big hitting stick. Gowns are a big problem at the moment because they'll have to be proper medical ones and not like the ones you might wear to a ball, otherwise NHS staff would be a OK and looking real fancy too. Water-resistant gowns are at dangerously low levels in several places around the country. Why? Well, partly to do with 10 years of underfunded NHS, meaning hospitals don't have what they should in many areas, and in 2017, then-health minister and always-old bit of someone's jumper caught on a nail, Jeremy Hunt, rejected a recommendation for PPE for all frontline staff, as it was too costly. Cuts were also made to NHS supply chains to save money, in one of those hindsight, oh, but it didn't save you money, did it, moments that you would have had if this wasn't all so grim. But while austerity measures have definitely played a part in this, Also, with 1.6 million NHS staff in the UK and coronavirus having the ability to spread like margarine on a hot piece of toast on a warm day, it means more PPE is needed than was originally expected. Some kit can only be used once before it becomes unsafe for reuse, and there have also been delays and faults with kit that's been ordered in, meaning it's also unusable. Currently in the UK, 11 million to 22 million bits of PPE are needed per day. The government said on Tuesday that 761 million pieces of PPE had been delivered to 58,000 locations over the last few weeks, but that also included clinical waste containers, which doctors and nurses can't really wear. I mean, I don't think they can, but I guess if the situation continues as it is, then it might be worth some of them wearing it like some sort of makeshift armour. Depressingly, similar things have already happened, with bin bags being used as gowns and borrowed skiing goggles for eye protection, something that at least, in theme, is appropriate for the COVID situation going downhill fast. PPE is not easy to get hold of either, as there are current worldwide shortages, what with the coronavirus being absolutely everywhere and prices having surged on all costs, because we know money is way more important than lives. Priorities, people. Priorities. There is nothing like supply and demand, when the lack of supply might mean you never ever have demand ever again idiots. A delivery of 84 tons of PPE from Turkey was meant to arrive on Saturday, but it's been delayed, so who knows when it'll actually come. The Royal College of Nurses are suggesting that health workers refuse to treat patients until they get adequate gear, as now, with over 80 NHS staff dying of the virus, although 40, according to the government, it's just not okay for them to be working without the protective equipment they need. Though adversely, I'm all for seeing riot police have to turn up to protests wearing a bin bag and ski goggles. China didn't give the UK enough information and they've covered up all their deaths and it's their fault for eating bats or something. Okay, firstly, while we do know coronavirus originated in bats, we don't think it was passed on to people via them. While the actual source remains a mystery, there are some clues that it may have come from a pangolin, which sounds like a magical instrument in a computer game, but it's actually an endangered scaled mammal that is hunted illegally and used in Chinese medicine. But look, really, while everyone needs to leave those weird what-if-a-rat-fucked-a-snake creatures alone, there's no full evidence for any of this and please stop blaming Chinese people for this virus. I don't think whoever first got it intended to and if that pangolin ate a bat just to pass it on, then frankly, I wouldn't blame it either, especially if it had seen any reality TV in order to bring it to that conclusion. So, look, that conspiracy theory aside... China informed the World Health Organization on the 24th of January that COVID deaths were rising quickly, the provision of PPE for healthcare workplaces was strongly recommended to test for the virus immediately and that it has pandemic potential, which sounds a lot like my careers advice report at school. That report came to the UK, was discussed in a one-hour COBRA meeting that the Prime Minister didn't even turn up to and then the whole issue was largely ignored for over a month. In fact, on the day China's info came in, the Prime Minister was too busy with the Brexit withdrawal agreement being signed in the EU and just gave the statement that the UK was well prepared for any new diseases. You know, in the same way we're well prepared for flooding, except for all the flooding that keeps happening, and for Brexit, except for all the regulations that businesses don't even know about yet. China might be covering up death rates, with the mortality numbers for Wuhan suddenly being revised by 50% more several weeks later. I mean, either they've been hiding them, or they really just thought a lot of people were having a very long nap and were too afraid to actually check. But we've got no way of telling just yet, and the UK government haven't been clear on our death figures either. They often haven't included deaths in care homes, something that the Office for National Statistics did in their report, and added about 6,000 more deaths onto our overall total. Nor have any deaths from coronavirus from outside health facilities been counted at all deaths are only being reported once the family is informed rather than on the same day they happen and the good law project said it obtained a leaked document telling doctors they can put cause of death as pneumonia or community acquired pneumonia instead of covid19 which is really dodgy and very unimaginative i mean at least put a curse or potential aliens just so historians in the future will be able to do a good channel 5 program about it more people die from the flu what are you worried about No, 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 but I can see why you originally thought that, as did I when I mentioned it a bit on this podcast some weeks ago. Sorry. Um, Seasonal flu, which is flu with salt or pepper in it, has variable mortality rates every year, as it kind of depends on the strain. In the UK, for example, the average deaths from flu annually are 17,000, but in 2014-15, it was 28,330, and in 2018-19, it was much lower at just 1,692. But also that's annually, over the whole year. So far, the UK mortality rate from coronavirus is, as I record this, over 17,000, but with however many not counted. And we're only a month into this pandemic taking place, with symptoms having over two weeks to occur. So it's definitely worse than flu. It's like flu is the pal who tells you a story so unnecessarily full of detail that it takes about an hour instead of three minutes that it's brought its friend COVID along, who can make ordering from the menu take so long the restaurant closes before you get to eat. Other countries have been fine without a lockdown. It makes no difference, it's just a form of authoritarian, communist, fascist, loony, lefty control over us all. The thing about comparing the UK's COVID-19 response to other countries is that other countries have done things differently and, well, mostly people in other countries don't suffer from English exceptionalism. Oh, except the US, who have their own special brand of stupid just for that. South Korea didn't have a lockdown and have had 9,000 cases of coronavirus, but only had 236 deaths. And that's largely due to them doing a lot of testing from very early on and people being very, very careful indeed about social distancing. They've been very tactical with how schools are kept open and very strict on isolation for people who do have symptoms. And on top of all that, they've had very few people being stupid, saying that the measures are against liberty and freedom, and they have a leader that actually took it seriously and didn't boast about shaking hands with absolutely everyone. Sweden has also been cited as not having a lockdown, having less deaths than the UK, except compared to all the other Scandinavian countries that have had a lockdown, the death rate in Sweden is much, much higher. And population in Sweden is a fraction of that in the UK. There's just less people around to pass it to. The UK should have taken warning signs from Italy and Spain and just how badly it spread there and how quickly the death toll escalated. But we didn't, so a lockdown was entirely necessary. Do they work? Well, yeah, because people aren't going near people and therefore they can't spread things unless they found a devious way to cough through walls. China's lockdown in Wuhan appears to be the only thing that actually slowed down the coronavirus there and we're beginning to see the effects of lockdown in Italy and Spain working for their benefit. But of course, those are other countries and we Brits like to do things our own special way. So, you know, it's best to just assume we shouldn't have had a lockdown and we'd survive it most by going to pubs and drinking the virus to death or maybe singing God Save the Queen in mass rallies at it till it died of extreme. Eye rolling. So that's just a few myths uh, dispelled by me uh, looking on the internet for you. That's really all I've done. It's not that hard. Uh, full Fact, I have a full page of coronavirus fact-checking up at fullfact.org that I got quite a few of those bits from should you need to send some people to Truth Town while in lockdown. I'm a poet and fully aware about it. And that's the sort of creativity that you should be doing. Learn something. And now... But I mean, it's one of those things in, in terms of, you know, yes, we, we do need to fund the NHS, although, as we mentioned, it should be the government's job, it should come out of our taxes, that's what we pay them for. Um, but But, you know, any organisation, a large organisation doesn't cover specific areas as well as, say, a charity or a group that are, you know, just focused on that do, you know, because they have the time and the efforts to really specify on something and... Then, as you said, be the voice for that in in Parliament and and elsewhere. That's that's the sort of thing that we would lose.
1: Yes, and and it's and and I do find this political because because you 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 are speaking truth to power when you work for a charity or when you volunteer for a charity. You are saying this is what's important. Please don't forget about this. Um, I need to challenge you because you're not funding enough of this or you're not aware of that. And without those charities being that voice, <clears throat> I think that that work can be lost um and and also at the moment you know the whole there's a lot of at the moment i'm hearing of you know this isn't the moment to discuss these things this isn't the moment to discuss pay rises or failures of the government or whatever i mean this is precisely the moment where we have to do this it's so important because it's too late afterwards to go well you should have done it that way now all these people died um you do need people going hang on a minute have you considered pregnant mothers in this? Have you considered, you know, the health visitors aren't working. So there's nobody for people to go to after their babies are born. Midwife visits have been slashed again. So when I had my babies, we got a midwife visit every single day, came to my home to check that i was okay and alive and so was my baby now wow. that yeah now that happens two or three times over the course of the first 10 days generally before this crisis and now it's happening once maybe twice and maybe a phone call as well in you know and to be brutal about it women bleed very heavily after birth if they don't know how much is normal and nobody is checking on them there could be women at home hemorrhaging there could be women at home not coping you know, having mental health crises, and nobody's there to check that they're okay. So it is desperately worrying, of course, the NHS can't fund everything. And there aren't enough people to do all these things. That's political, too. Um, but, but it is massively worrying. And without organisations and people like me being in touch with all of our clients, checking that they're okay, knowing that they're okay, people can slip through the net. And that's another, that's another part of the, you know, that adds to the victims mm-hmm. of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely why why organisations like NCT and others need to also be kept kept going, and should have any. There's not really been any support at all from the government for charities, has there?
1: Um, something was announced, but it's not kicking in for a long time. And to be honest, I've forgotten immo- amongst all the. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, well, it's
0: like a lot of these things with self-employed uh, support, where it'll kick in, but only by the time you starve to death. So it's probably not going to. They'll save. They'll save cash that way. It's easier. It is. It's really horrific. And and you, I mean, you you sort of mentioned earlier that just as as someone who, how many jobs do you say you normally have? Is it six? <laughs>
1: yeah, something like that. Five or six different income streams.
0: <laughs> but there's like f- four of them have gone now.
1: Yeah, pr- well, pretty much everything except this. I'm doing my first gig tonight. I, I said I wouldn't do comedy gigs um, online, but 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 this one's a really lovely one. So I'm, I'm going to do it um, and see how that feels. And maybe we're going to be doing this for a very long time. Maybe I will need to start um, doing more of that. Um, in the first few weeks, it just took all of my, literally all of my waking days, and I've got kids to care for, um, just to learn how to take the courses online. Um but I was But it did. It did. Um, it it helped with the comedy muse because I was writing parody songs left, right, and centre. So I'm quite proud of those. Then I <laughs> then I discovered the whole of the rest of the world has learned TikTok and is also doing parody songs. And damn it.
0: Yeah, it's what, what I've very much found is that uh, I've suddenly felt like, oh, i better learn how to do all these things and realise that, oh dear, 12-year-olds are way ahead of me on all of this <laughs> and have many more viewers on their Twitch stream as they just idly play a computer game. Uh, and I'm trying to do childcare and write new material and work out a new system. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> kind of felt like if everybody's doing it and having fun with it, then brilliant, everybody should be playing. And those of us who for whom it's our jobs to play... Um, you know, why would people pay? Why would people pay for that? But actually, actually,
0: we do it quite well. So, I'm, I, yeah,
1: I'm <laughs> coming round to the fact that, no, this does have value and it's okay. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And very important for people now, I think, to be able to have a laugh. Uh, I,
1: mean, I can't remember who it was, but I saw the most magnificent tweet, um, tweet from somebody saying, um, saying, oh, all of a sudden, the most important parts of education are entertainment creativity you know music dance etc suddenly the whole world is interested in exercise art entertainment etc and those <laughs> sort of completely fallen by the wayside at school so hilarious
0: yeah yeah hopefully hopefully uh when this is all over then focus will be back on uh, the charities that support people and, and, and more localized charities and also on all those subjects that have been ignored in schools for the past uh, 10 years
1: absolutely and what is education for you know it's yeah. for, for creating rounded individuals not just people who know about the you know the crimean war or whatever they study the crime War?
0: crimean war I don't know, really. <laughs> i've got no idea <laughs> <laughs> I bet you, your kids are having fun homeschooling right now <laughs> right six weeks of crimean war <laughs>
1: my, kids, my kids um had i've got twins who had their gcses cancelled so believe me oh. this is a time in our home So, um, yes, so they are not studying like mad for GCSEs, just as they were not six weeks ago studying
0: like mad (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear someone's pleased about all this. That's good. That's good to know. Um,
1: Yeah, they have been on screens morning, noon and night. Um, poor, Poor darlings.
0: Oh, so so hard so hard um well thanks tons for for chatting I me mean, and, and i i i suppose the thing the most important thing to ask you really is that you know where can listeners support um not just nct but other charities that help new parents and and new parents in general what, where should they be going for kind of good advice on what to do if they are a new parent or they know someone who is and they're worried about them like where are you where are you going for your info at the moment, and where can you advise others to?
1: Okay, so um, in terms of if people are pregnant, then the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists are releasing information all the time. So is the Royal College of Midwives, and the Royal College of Midwives is doing is is having a daily uh, Q and uh, A tweet. Uh, which is really helpful for people who are pregnant, Um, the NHS and your local hospital website, etc. NCT courses are, of course, wonderful. Um, uh, They all go to support a charity and not a private um, organisation. And they they do have discounts for people who can't afford them as well. So it's not just um, a middle class thing. There is uh, the NCT also has a feeding line so people with new babies um, pretty much everything comes back to feeding when you have a new baby so if your baby is struggling with um, sleep or feeding or you're struggling etc that's a good place to go. Um, The Institute of Health Visiting I noticed has, um, you might want to put this in notes afterwards, um, has information for new parents at ihv.org.uk. I don't know if you're aware, and but you can't register a birth at the moment. Um, so people aren't being expected to register their births, but they can still get their baby registered with a GP and they can get benefits. Um, because of that, you don't have to have a birth certificate to get benefits. Um, so does that
0: mean there's lots of nameless babies right now?
1: Yeah, no registered names. They don't have to register in 42 days at the moment because they can't because the, the, yeah, literally the register offices are shut. Um, so yeah, but but I think therefore in the past people thought, well, you, because you have to have a, a birth certificate to claim benefit, uh, you don't have to at the moment. That's really important. This is why. Stuff like the NCT is so helpful because you get you get groups of parents on WhatsApp going, "Hey guys, have you heard about this? Oh, I went to an antenatal appointment and they're doing this now." And then everybody else learns about it, and and this information is is shared in a reliable way between people who are actually experiencing it. Um, otherwise, how would you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's invaluable, invaluable stuff. Also, I think that there's something lovely to think about the fact that some parents may a few days in to having their new baby may think, actually, maybe that name wasn't right for them. I'll choose something more sensible. <laughs>
1: got all the time in the world to change her name from Corona to something (laughs) better. That's
0: it, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much to Pauline for that. Uh, You can find Pauline on Twitter at YesPaulineAir, that's E-Y-R-E where you'll find details of all comedy things she's doing and the five other jobs she does on there too. Uh, The NCT can be found at nct.org.uk or at nct charity on Twitter and the other links that Pauline mentioned will be on the website soon as well. So uh, if all goes to plan over the next few weeks, I'll be speaking to pathology workers, hopefully an ICU doctor if they have time, a care home worker and a charity dealing with domestic violence rises right now. Um, however, that can all change as they're all extremely busy and the news is also uh, different every single minute. So um, are there other aspects you want to hear about? Maybe something more to do with ideology or how the world might be once this is all over? Um, maybe something not at all COVID related. Let me know. Drop me a line at ParPobro on Twitter, the Partly Political Broadcast group on Facebook, the contact page at partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk or email me at partlypoliticalbroadcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com or you could just get it printed on a badge, maybe just guest in big capital left- letters um and, and nothing else and charge me nearly 10 pounds to buy it which i won't do as it's completely pointless massively unhelpful and i'll definitely stab myself with it by accident at least three times trying to put it on um and ultimately guess what's guest get a guest who's the guest? doesn't really help but anyway as always probably just best to email isn't it <laughs> And that's all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. Thanks once again for listening and getting all the way to these last few minutes of the show. And because you have, you shall be mightily rewarded with some hot political facts. That's right, today's secret Topgoss poll fact is one you just won't believe. Uh, We all know the current... WHO director who, you know, the World Health Organization. We all know the director general is Tedros Adhanom, right? Of course you do. Everyone does. I mean, even my daughter. God, everyone. everyone's like common knowledge. But do you know how Tedros got the job? Well, sure. You might think it's because he held high positions in the Ethiopian government as Minister for Health and then Foreign Affairs. But it's actually because uh, he came up with the gym phrase, no pain, no gain. Except he meant it about French bread, because he loves French bread. Um, but it was misconstrued by Jim bros. The rest is history. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely true. Yep, definitely. Now, you won't find it on the internet. It's a sort of chat you have to know the right people for. And I've got pals who eat French bread, so they know. Huh. more hot definitely definitely sort of true kind of fact sort of next week but don't forget if you like them and the rest of the show please do tell other people you know to tune in give it a fat five-star review on apple podcast stitcher or Castbox, and donate to the Kofi or patreon or why not do that even if you don't like this show i mean as ted ross would say when having a baguette, no pain no gain which doesn't really make sense in that context we think about it it's better, but there you go Yeah, cheers and that to Acast, my brother Last Skeptic, Cat Day, and Mushy Bees for all their help, as per usual. Um, This will be back next week when Matt Hancock announces that all doctors and nurses will be given badges so big that they also count as visors and gowns, forgetting that those things need to really be transparent so they can see through them. But instead, Hancock's badges just say HEALTH AND THAT in big capital letters. Bye! This week's show is sponsored by Matt Hancock's Homemade PPE Guide. Is your hospital lacking in the necessary protective equipment? Well, don't waste what you have by using it for you and your patient's safety. Instead, get this guide and you'll be wrapping plastic bags around your head in no time so you'll have no trouble breathing. Try Tupperware lids for visors and wearing an old foil blanket as a gown. Even if it doesn't protect you, you'll cook nicely and then keep safely for tomorrow's lunch. Hancock's Homemade PPE Guide. Care!